eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of the full 10 yards fantasy podcast. Week eight is all but in the books. We have just got the game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants tonight. And here we are to dissect another weekend of action. So, James, I'll welcome you into the show. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Another another week down, another week where fantasy fortunes were very mixed. Yeah, exactly. It's I think COVID is playing slightly more of an impact than and they're letting on and it's just disrupted things in certain different ways not necessarily with with players being out but maybe just like training patterns and the certain teams that aren't getting to practice in person as much as they would normally so there's a lot more zoom sessions and stuff like that so it is it is throwing up some certain anomalies and obviously here on this side of the pond we have just been announced that we are to enter a four-week lockdown to uh see if we can curb the virus so not great times here in the uk james it's uh well, I suppose plenty of time for us to be able to to watch more football, but um, yeah, certainly not worrying times for for much else. No, nah, it's um, yeah. We'll 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 leave the politics to various other podcasts and politicians and well, Twitter because apparently that's the centre of everything nowadays. But um, yeah, at least we still have football there. Um, to me, it doesn't matter because I was in uh, near enough imposed lockdown anyway because of the baby coming. So to me, it's made it didn't really matter what happened. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very much similar. Not because I've got a baby on the way, but because just the way I've been living my life uh, for the last few months, it's the, the difference is I'll, st- I'll stop going to, to the office every day, but I'll still be working from home every day. So it's it's not too much of a difference, but hopefully we can work together as a country to to get back to to where we were and see better days ahead of us. So, yeah, enough of the COVID politics stuff. Let's get into the weekend action. And to begin with, we will talk about the injuries that we saw. So a couple of pretty major ones, but then, again, just your your smattering of of injury concerns that we need to to keep a look at. So uh, Darrell Henderson, the Los Angeles Rams running back, who has seemingly... The one that seemingly won the role has uh, left with a thigh injury, which is one to take care of. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, the Baltimore Ravens tackle. And I know we don't talk about tackles very often because they are not in your fantasy lineups unless you play in some really weird... Deep I don't league. think I've ever seen a fantasy <laughs> that uses offensive line. If it does, please tweet me because... Uh, that 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 will be a novelty. <laughs> yeah, like you see you see the Madden stats about pressures allowed and pancakes and stuff and sacks. But um, yeah, a fantasy league that does the same, that'd be some hardcore truthers out there. So yeah, hit us up at F10Y Fantasy if your league does indeed involve offensive linemen. But Ronnie Stanley is the offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. He had just signed a monster deal there um, and he is one of the top linemen in the league. He has broken his ankle. He will be out for the rest of the season. James, does that have any impact on on Lamar or or Ingram? Well, I suppose Ingram's injured himself at the moment, but J.K. Dobbins, Chris Edwards, are you treating them any differently or is it just one of those? Well, you know, I was already pretty down on Lamar and this does not help with reversing that opinion. It kind of, 
makes me feel even better about the take I had about Lamar being, you know, a, a bit of a trade away and a bit of a, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him right now. Um, the Dobbins and Gus Bus situation, I still don't quite know what to think. They were still they're reasonably effective against, obviously, the Steelers being a fantastic run D. And they still both managed to get some work and, you know, get something done to make that game as close as it, well, say, as close as it was, i.e. they nearly won it. So um, you've got to treat those two with respect, but you've also got to remember that them two are going to be, shall we say, stealing value off each other. Um, and the running signing situation, yes, it throws a bit of a, another spanner in the works. They're going to have to learn in the offensive lineman. I think the um, the news with Marlon Humphrey getting COVID, which I don't know whether we'll come on to that, but I'll bring it in now since we're talking Ravens. Um, if that causes the um, offense, I know he's a defensive player, but if by precaution it means that the whoever comes in to take his place essentially doesn't get time to practice with that offense all week, um, yeah, I feel a bit tense. I'd feel tentative for the certainly this week, but you know, longer term, they have depth. They'll sort. They'll be able to sort something out. Um, I mean, they're against the Colts this week, and that defense is still pretty good. So yeah, I'd be tempering Ravens' expectations on the offense anyway, but more so now. But you know, after after this. After week nine, yeah, I wouldn't put it as much into mind. Yeah, and the, the Ravens you've you've mentioned there, it was the the most rushing yards that the Steelers had given away for a long, long while, two hundred and sixty-five of them. And Jacob Dobbins and Gus Edwards both had a lot of yards, and Lamar Jackson chipped in there with with sixty-five himself. But two hundred yards between them, so two hundred yards for running backs. It's almost a case of. If they're going to run the ball like that as, as well as they did, 47 times they, they rushed the football, that J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards could both be potentially fantasy starters in, in your lineups. It's just when Mark Ingram comes back and starts to, to chip away at carries as well. That's I, I don't want any part in a three-headed monster, but if we can see J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards performing like they did, then um, yeah, it'll be a very interesting pairing for the rest of the season. Uh, we look at Eugene Hilton. He left the game with a groin injury. And I know we keep on saying on this podcast, but he's, he's not been fantasy relevant all season. And it's just him getting injury after injury that really makes me start to think that his career is, is pretty much done now. Another soft tissue injury for a guy that has relied on his speed throughout his career. So I absolutely love the guy, but I'm really, I'm really struggling to see to see a future there for him now in in Indianapolis or, or indeed anywhere in the league. Uh, Kenny Galladay, that is a big talking point in the league at the moment. He left the game having a goose egg with a hip injury, so Kenny Galladay, uh, disappointing fantasy owners there. But it looks it looks a lot more serious than than just the one week, James, isn't it? He uh, set to miss set to miss some time now. Yeah, they said they're saying it's certainly more than one week, but it's not it's not a season ender. So there's a positive, but um, that'll be that'll be a big miss. And I think coupled with the loss that you know, even though the Lions traded you know to strengthen their defense, I think that may signal the end of that run um, that they were having. Um, Marvin Jones unretired himself and mm. uh, found himself into a game, but. Um, you know, having said preseason that he's the kind of guy that you feel like you can rely on just for points every week. 
within like three weeks, he busted that and was on most waivers. And even in this situation with, you know, the number one gone, I just don't feel like picking him up either. Just, I don't feel like I can rely on the Lions anymore. They just seem to be like, you know, run the ball primarily. Although, um, yeah, we'll come to the bus later. So we'll uh, leave that certain uh, individual out. Yeah, but we- um, let's let's ju- let's just say um, the hype train station this week has got so few services that Danny Amendola has got a little cart on one of the platforms and is actually featured in the article. Wow, Danny Amendola, and just like you say with the Lions, uh, they are. I'm struggling to see them now make that push on for the playoffs without without Kenny Galladay. And it could just be a stage now where they, they shut him down for the rest of the season because it is not worth their time bringing him back and looking to get a high pick next year, which is such a shame. I, I do like the Lions and I do feel like we're wasting Matt Stafford's prime years. He is he's very quickly running out of time there, but it could be a case of at this stage of the season now that the Lions do shut him down for the season, but definitely want to keep an eye on and we will bring you more news on that as and when we get it. Uh, around the rest of the league, uh, Adam Humphreys left the game with a concussion. He he was the wide receiver three there in Tennessee. It's, it's not too much of a fantasy impact, but it was a nasty-looking hit on him there, so wishing him all the best with that one. A concussion, well, I suppose with any injury, but especially concussion is one that we don't like to see. And then we look at my 49ers. Mm. What a sorry Ow. state of affairs there. As if we haven't had enough bad luck with the injuries this season. We lost Tevin Coleman quite early on in the game due to a knee injury. Uh, I was cautious about bringing it back anyway to begin with, with Jermichael Hasty and Jared McKinnon there seemingly carrying the load. But nope, he was a starting running back. He came in but left the game with a knee injury. So he's set to miss some time again. And most importantly, Jimmy G is out for six plus weeks, I've seen, with an ankle injury. And George Kittle has a broken bone in his foot and is set to miss eight weeks as well. And if we look, we're in week eight, San Francisco 49ers, a very slim chance of making the playoffs now, in my opinion. And again, it could just be a situation that we that we shut down both of those players for the rest of the season now as well. So George Kittle, he'll probably come out and tell you that he can be ready in, in five to six weeks, but the trainers know better. The medical staff will, will encourage him to stay out and the, the fantasy season will be over by the time he, he gets back. So he... You might squeeze the championship game in, but that is absolute best case scenario. So I would not be holding out any hopes to see George Kittle in your fantasy lineups again. And if you're playing week 17, then stop. You should not be playing week 17 in your fantasy football leagues. So yeah, really, really tough break for both the 49ers and the fantasy football world as well. But yeah, it's really difficult. It's like our Super Bowl window opened and closed within within the space of a year. But we've got we've got the talent on the roster. We can we can bounce back, uh, get a nice high draft. Well, I say nice high, it'd be probably a middle middle of the road draft pick again. This yeah, year. there's too many tanking teams right now. For you. Yeah, exactly. Like you would have to lose every game from here on out, and then you'd still probably only get about the seventh pick at best. Yeah. So, but. Plenty to move on for for next year. So yeah, Jimmy G and George Kittle out for six to, six and eight weeks respectively. Yeah. I think with the Niners, yeah, I think that's this season done. They've just traded away K1 Alexander to the Saints for Kiko Alonso in a fifth, which is a bit of another sign that. And K1 Alexander had been out for a while and was just about to return. So that's kind of another sign of raising the white flag. I think. 
But um, the in terms of fantasy implications in the very, very immediate term, you've got Thursday night football against the Packers coming up, I believe. Uh, which, uh, let's sort of take a state of affairs. You're going to have Mul- probably Mullins back in the quarterback. Ross Dwelly is your tight end. You've got Ayuk and Bourne, you know, uh, and Trent Taylor as wideouts. And you're left with McKinnon and Hasty as the only two who running backs left fit against the team that we'll get onto isn't very good against running backs. Jermichael Hasty is owned in, well, it depends on what platform, but he's about 50% owned, just shy off after this week. Uh, well, in the build-up to this week. Um because of that number, I don't tend to like featuring him in the hype train article. So he's only an honorable mention, but he is a must start, must pick up because with the way McKinnon's been used sparingly and he's apparently got the tired legs, um, that offense needs multiple running backs and Hasty's probably going to get the majority of the work and then McKinnon's still going to be relevant, but Hasty is their best shot in that game. And I think they might, they'll take this game seriously. Uh, and then after this, it will be a struggle. But I think Hasty might be one of the big people to pick up, but you may only get one really good week out of him. After that, it'll be a bit of a borderline droppable. But that, that's never know, game... maybe he becomes the star. Yeah, but that's if the game even goes ahead. So the Packers, uh, they found out that AJ Dillon had tested positive for COVID pre-game. And then he spent the rest of the game, he went into the huddle at one point, uh, stood on the sideline. So Packers, I, f- I think there's a half expectation of some more positive tests flaring up in the next few days. So it's, it's still very early days with with reports as to, as to what's happened and stuff like that. But it could be a very, it could be a situation where it's very quickly shut down and the game is just pulled straight away and put on to, to a Monday night, This well, the next Monday night, as, as we've seen before. So uh, one to keep an eye on, certainly for fantasy owners, is the status of this game headed into Thursday. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Raven Steelers are in the same boat because Marlon Humphrey tested positive, and he was also involved a little bit in that scrum where Matt Judon got ejected for clattering into the official. Um, he was just trying to break free, but it swung and hit the official. And by letter of the law, that's you gone. But Humphrey was sort of involved in that as well a little bit because I think it was his jarring with Deontay Johnson that may have started it. I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, he was kind of, you know, close to both teams. So there's a few worried, you know, analysts at the moment for the Ravens and the Steelers. And, of course, both of them have had their bye weeks. So I think the NFL is starting to panic a little bit. Um, certainly the scheduling department. Yeah, and we, we had this a few weeks ago where the, the Patriots and the Broncos got pushed back and they kind of were lucky and they exhausted all of their options in order to avoid playing the weeks at 18. And we said at that point in time, we said the next time something happens, the next time there's a rearrangement, we will get that week 18. And seemingly since then, touch wood, it has, it's been all quiet, but um, it does look like this time there could be some impact but we've got, we've got plenty of testing to go and I think the NFL will, will certainly put the the Niners and the Packers to a Monday night doubleheader before before cancelling and adding to a to a week 18 yeah. because we'll be able to really identify who has got COVID or not then so be prepared folks for no Thursday night football nothing confirmed yet but uh, it could be the case and we look back Finally, at the weekend just gone. So, James, would you like to kick us off? Who was your MVP of the weekend? 
Well, I alluded to this earlier that the Packers' uh, run defense is terrible and non-existent, and Dalvin Cook proved that in a big, big way. So he, he had the questionable tag going into the game, but you know, all, all points were saying he's starting and he's playing. And um, the Packers wish he hadn't. Four touchdowns on the day. Um, it's been over 30 years since the Vikings had the same player score four touchdowns in a game, and it definitely wasn't a running back. Uh, I'd love to be able to tell you the stat, but I managed to lose the link as I was approaching, which is really annoying. But kudos to Dalvin Cook. Breaking records, making records. 163 yards on the ground, 63 yards in the air despite that only being on two receptions, uh, which is kind of impressive in itself. 226 all-purpose yards, 48 PPR fantasy points. It was a monster game on his return to the lineup. And, I mean, what more can you say? Just that Green Bay defense cannot stop the run. That's why I had to go into that little bit with the Niners and saying that Hasty has at least at some semblance of a shot next week. Because you, you almost, even if you had Jimmy G and Kittle, I think you wouldn't have used them just by how porous that Green Bay D is. Um, trade deadline coming up on Tuesday and everyone saying that Green Bay, need, you know, they should be on the lookout for another wide receiver and all this talk of Will Fuller. They need someone who can stop the run. And at the moment, it appears to me that Seattle are nicking all of them. Yeah, and you, you look... You, you go back to their draft once again and you think that they've they've traded uh, Love in the first round when a player like Queen was available for them there at the, at the linebacker position. You just think, how yeah. good, how, how much better. The, the Packers would be even more of a Super Bowl contender if they'd got a piece like Queen, a day one starter in that linebacking core. So it just it just makes that decision to, to go <laughs> uh, quarterback, running back there, uh, H-back, really even that more bizarre uh, when you look at what they could have yep. had. But on the other side of the ball there, you have got Devontae Adams in that game. Another monster performance from him. And it was, they they scored all the points between them. It was yeah. incredible. The, the two players, Cook and Adams, uh, seven touchdowns between the two players. And Devontae Adams is having a season. He's, uh, he's looked really good so far, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. There's... Um... Especially, he's having to take up even more of the slack with Aaron Jones missing time. Um, when Jones is back, it's a case of you know the perfect you know storm where you have a really good running back that teams have to defend against and a really good wide receiver that teams have to defend against. The thing is, Devontae Adams is that good that even with the running back out the way, he still gets the job done, and that's just what makes that partnership incredible. I mean. You, you do fear about what would happen when Aaron Rodgers goes and it's Jordan Love to Devontae Adams. You do wonder, is that going to be quite the same? Is it Adams being elite or is it just that connection between him and Rodgers that's just out of this world? But um, Adams is, you know, one of those just incredible players that you're going to want. And I'd say, I know it's really early to be looking at next season, but he's probably going to end up being, I would predict he'll be the wide receiver one in redraft leagues next year. Certainly ahead of Michael Thomas, just this season's turmoil is going to have a bit of uh, damage, shall we say. But um, yeah, that's in in normal redrafts, of course. Uh, Dynasty, that's a conversation for another day. 
which I'm looking forward to in the off season actually, because there's going to be uh, that's going to be some interesting conversations with the likes of Metcalf. Which that is the most perfect segue. I knew that was going to be the segue. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if we'd planned it, and we look at my MVP for the week, and that is DK Metcalf. And I'm going to call him my MVP just so I can feel slightly better about what he did to my 49ers over the weekend. So, yeah, it's a really strange one there in Seattle at the moment. And Metcalf and Lockett are seemingly alternating week on week as to the one who is going to have that mega monster game. So DK Metcalf, 15 targets, 12 receptions, 161 receiving yards and two touchdowns there. And his, his first touchdown in particular, he the, the catch and run for that. He just left defenders in the, in for dead, and I think the, the word freak was used about seventeen times in that in that ten second play uh, to describe DK Metcalf. But the guy is twenty two years old, six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds, and runs a four three. Like he is the Derrick Henry of the wide receivers. Like freaking freaky freak or something. Uh, yeah, it was freaky. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's, it is <laughs> Halloween freak. and freak, freaky freaks and monsters and yeah, it was a, a lot. A lot of the word used freak. Uh, but the guy's metrics are unbelievable. And yeah, the, the Derrick Henry of, of the wide receiver room. And he is going to be some, he's going to take some stopping for, for years to come in that NFC West. Opposite Lockett as well, it is, it is quite the duo. So he was the uh, number two player on the week behind only Darvin Cook, um, wide receiver one, of course, on the week. And he is the wide receiver three on the season. And interestingly, Lockett is the wide receiver one. So Lockett has 148.5 fantasy points. Metcalf just behind on 144 with Calvin Ridley in the Seahawk wide receiver sandwich. So James, here is a couple of questions for you. Who would you rather have for the rest of the season? Uh, Lockett or Metcalf? Honestly, Metcalf. I think the chemistry is only going to keep improving. Metcalf seems to be the one that Russell keeps hyping up and he is of the two, the you say more monstrous of the two. They they're both going to have their games. And um, I still think Metcalf overall will shade it rest of season because Lockett's big game is going to maybe play a bigger factor in the sort of overall rankings. But nah, Metcalf's the one I would want, I think, rest of season. And I'm sure you can guess my next question, but I'm pretty sure I can guess your answer to it as well. So uh, who would you can rather we just have? leave it there? Just <laughs> let the viewers speculate for themselves. <laughs> no, who would you rather have in Dynasty for moving forwards? It's ironic that I mentioned it earlier and I, I, I many, <laughs> I'm just glad the segue pulled off. But um, DK Metcalf is verging on being my number one wide receiver in in like startup dynasty drafts, I would think. Just, you know, age on side. He's got a fantastic quarterback who's going to be there for a while. He's got connection. He's got all the metrics required. He's just going to be fantastic in this league, I think. And yeah, in startup leagues where, you know, you're going to be looking for someone early on who's going to be your linchpin for many years, Metcalf is one of those guys. Um, always got to be careful about those because a few years ago the guy was Odell Beckham and look how that turned out I'd like to think that Russell Wilson's slightly better than Eli Manning was like a, a few years ago Eli Manning like, obviously Eli Manning had a great career but um, yeah the, the end of the days 
Elon Musk. And therein lies my reasoning. That what? We shouldn't trust... No, Me- that, that Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Odell Beckham has ever had. Okay. In that, in the, basically, DK Metcalf, the reason why I would have him as a much more trusted, you know, potentially number one overall, um, just in <laughs> note... This is really early for this kind of advice, but in dynasty starter drafts, wide receivers have a longer lifespan than running backs. So maybe think about taking them earlier. But DK Metcalf is bordering on being my first overall if it's not super flex. Bold, but I do like That's it. That's a conversation for time. Yeah, the, the guy is fantastic. So yeah, DK Metcalf, congratulations. You are my MVP for week eight. So, James, we flip back to you. Who is the honourable mention that you wanted to be your MVP, but it didn't just quite make the mark? Well, to be fair, with Darwin Cup breaking records, I, you, you have to leave some you know class on the side. And, uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes was class this week. He had one of his, one of his weeks where, yeah, we, we said this on, Friday, on Saturday morning where... Chad Henney was going to see some action because, you know, they would be out of sight before too long. It happened, but maybe not quite as quickly as I was expecting. And while the Bell narrative disappeared, uh, Patrick Mahomes went ham, shall we say. Um, two touchdowns to Tyreek Hill, one to Michael Hardman, one to Demarcus Robinson, one to Travis Kelsey, particularly at the celebration where, he literally, where Tyreek Hill looked injured. And so Mahomes literally carried him back to the bench. <laughs> that he's been carrying that team since he came in but um yeah five touchdowns on the day um do you want do you know how many t- passing touchdowns the jets have had this season two four ah always <laughs> awkward when you ask a question like that and you go, the, go too far the wrong way okay <laughs> yeah so patrick Mahomes had more touchdowns against the jets in one day than the jets have had for themselves all season yikes yeah that's 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 the main reason he's my honourable mention because I really wanted to put that stat in. <laughs> but yeah, like we said, I I said that Mahomes would be pulled at half time. Like you said, it wasn't quite. Henny uh, only came in later on and had four pass attempts. Tommy Townsend getting a pass attempt there, completing it for for thirteen yards. But um, yeah, Bell disappointed. Six carries for seven yards. Le'Veon, this was your chance against the New York Jets to put it to Adam Gase. And he did have that nice uh, nice swing pass that he that he took for quite a few yards. But all in all, it was a, a disappointing day for Le'Veon Bell. But it wasn't exactly like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was uh, prolific either, James. Well, the whole team, the Chiefs combined for 50 rushing yards in a game where they dominated and completely annihilated a team. Normally, the narrative is you just run the ball and they take the time down. But... 50 total rushing yards compared to 446 passing yards. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that that's sort of sticking it to the Jets in a different way to what you expect. But um, I suppose Mahomes just said, yeah, can I just have this one? Yeah, can this be one of my um, stats games, shall we say? <laughs> but he's ended up as my honourable mention, so it did something. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be delighted. So if you're listening, Patrick, then uh, congratulations for earning honourable mention status. Uh, please don't get your mum to, to email in the show because you wanted to be the MVP. So <laughs> we move on to mine and I, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and I'm going to go for two because it is going to be the Robert Woods-Cooper Cup combo. Uh, both 
being the players that we wanted them to be pre-season when we draft in. And it wasn't exactly in the scenario that we anticipated. Uh, Miami came to town, the special teams in the defence, pulling two or through his first NFL start, which equated to his first NFL win. Uh, Rams were playing from behind a lot in this one. And Jared Goff ended up throwing the ball 61 times. Like, And if you're going to throw the ball 61 times, you're going to have to make some completions. And there's going to be people that get fantasy production off the back of that. But Cooper Cup had a whopping 21 targets in this one. Uh, he was only able to haul in 11 of those, but that still went for 110 receiving yards for 22 fantasy points in PPR leagues. And Robert Woods, it was only eight targets, but he managed to get seven of those for 85 yards and a touchdown. And he also had another rushing touchdown on the season. So two rushes for nine yards and a touchdown, but they're, they're making a little bit of a habit of that there in Los Angeles. And Robert Woods, a player that we've criticised previously for getting the yards but not necessarily getting the touchdowns is now really stepping up and he's, he's getting those touchdowns to add to his game as well. So he's becoming a really decent receiving option. So Woods was wide receiver three on the week. Cup was wide receiver eight. Similarly, but not quite as good as Metcalf and Lockett, uh, Woods is wide receiver 12 on the season and Cup is wide receiver 15. So both of those in a very similar position there in the position we kind of expected them to be in at the start of the season. And James... This isn't going to come surprise to you either. I'm going to ask you the exact same question again. Well, the exact same questions again. Uh, would you rather have Woods or Cup for the rest of the season? And this is a harder one to respond to, I think, because they literally each have their up games. I have to, at this point in time, give Robert Woods the edge just because I think they utilise him in more different ways. And I think Cup is much much more boom-bust than Woods is throughout the season. You see Woods occasionally get like jet sweeps and some more unusual plays, whereas Cup very much is, you know, you know, trying to get some long plays down the middle, but, you know, being quite effective when he gets them. But just for the, you know, slightly safer feeling, I'd want Robert Woods. And the second question, who would you rather have in Dynasty Leagues? Oh... Uh, it. I mean, the the true answer to this question is either you having a piece of that is good, albeit we may get onto a reason why it's not quite as much of a slam dunk as I think. I'd have to go Woods on the basis that if he's the guy I want now, he's probably the guy I'm going to want next year. Um, if you'd actually preseason, it was Cooper Cup all the way, just because I have I had such high expectations for him this year. But I think the game that Robert Woods plays is much more for the role that you're going to have him in your dynasty team for. He is much more reliable. Cup is very much going to be your you know boom or bust option on a weekly basis, whereas I think Woods does give you that little bit more security, which in a dynasty team you probably are going to need. Yeah, especially some of the ones that I'm in this season just been absolutely ravaged everywhere with with injury and, and COVID, etc. So yeah, a little bit of floor is is some nice one to have. Uh Britain game, we've already mentioned that Darrell Henderson there in Los Angeles left the game uh, with his injury. And then the the carry split there, eight to Henderson, ten to Brown, nine to Acres, all getting between 35 and 47 yards. Not nice to call from a perspective moving forwards. And I know that they got behind in this one and it wasn't the most prolific rushing game, but it is literally stats like that that 
make me want to wash my hands of all three because even in the passing game, uh, Henderson had two targets, Brown had two, and Akers had one. So it's not like even one of them there is really stepping up to to own the position from that perspective. So, so James, any are you leaning to any of them in, in fantasy or is it just avoiding all three for, for the time being? I do worry for Cam Akers in general just because he's not made any kind of dent and doesn't look like he's going to get an opportunity to. Henderson going down means Malcolm Brown potentially becomes a one-week plug-in if you've got someone you know like Kareem Hunt on your team who's going to be on by this coming week. But you don't really want to be plunging those debts. Oh, you can't, can you? The Rams are on by. So um, that makes it even worse as a potential option. So you've just got to, if you're if you're the Rams, you've just got to hope that you can use your time off to, you know, analyze the situation, give Akers a bit more time to learn the offense, you know, figure out what's happening. Um, that team seems to have other problems on offense as well, which we'll come to. But um, yeah, that rush game does not look good. And yeah, I wouldn't want any of them at the moment if Henson's injured. Henson was the one person you could own. Yeah, indeed. And he uh, wants to keep an eye on, but um, we will see how his injury plays out. And then we take a quick look at the Dolphins into a Tonga Vailoa's first game there under center. And the offensive stats, the yardage on offense, considering that they won 28-17, is hilarious. And I'm stalling because I'm just trying to very quickly do the maths here. But yeah, 148 yards of total offense for those Miami Dolphins uh, to uh, throw in for 93 of those. And then they had uh, 55 rushing on the ground as well. Incredible. So Tua did throw the, the touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. It was his only reception of the game on two targets for three yards. Devontae Parker, I'm, I'm pretty much done with you now, to be fair. I can't rely on a three-yard touchdown for, for fantasy production, so uh, I'm pretty much done there. And looking at the receiving stats, no Dolphin had more than 16 receiving yards in this game. So we had Durham Smythe and Miles Gaskin both on 16. Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams both on 15. Isaiah Ford and Malcolm Perry both on 10. And then uh, Kasiki and Devontae Parker on 8 and 3 respectively. So a really funny one for the for the stat purists here. Uh, the Dolphins by no metric were, were supposed to have won this one offensively. But of course we had the defensive touchdowns there to boot. So uh, we had Van Ginkle's Amazing touchdown run. He managed to, to pick that up and take it. We had Jakeem Grant's uh, punt return touchdown. So a really interesting one there between the Rams and the Dolphins. And uh, hopefully Tua can, can build on it, getting his first NFL win under his belt to move onwards and upwards. So that was my honourable mention, which means we now need to flip and look at our busts. So James, who have you got as your biggest bust of the week? Well... In, in, in an effort to try and cover multiple games, I'll gloss over the one I was going to pick because we've already mentioned the Rams. So, so we'll round that bit off and say that Jared Goff was terrible. Um, one touchdown, two interceptions, 65.9 passer rating, barely 10 points in fantasy. And if you were in the Scott Fishbowl, he scored you about one. And there was a point in this game where he was on minus 15 for me. I had I made the terrible decision of playing him over Philip Rivers, Yikes. but I still won the matchup anyway. So uh, 
Don't worry about it, viewers. Um, but I am going to move over to a guy who I had some pretty high expectations for this week. And even though some of the scenario was in his favor, just did not deliver. And that's Kareem Hunt. I say, I even mentioned him earlier. This was a narrative where it was two teams who have really good running backs, not particularly fantastic run defenses in a blustery, windy, wet, not fantastic weather environment. And it was it looked just like one of those games where you had to rely on your running back. And one team did, and that was the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. Didn't get a touchdown, but went over 100 yards and did the job for them. But Kareem Hunt, 14 attempts, 66 yards, then two receptions for an extra seven yards. So 73 total yards, 9.3 fantasy points. And I had him sort of as a lock to get 15-20 in this game, purely on the ground. And that offense just was not clicking, just was not going. I don't know whether they shut up shop due to the weather or just what was happening. But, um, yeah, just ineffective. It's as though Kareem Hunt, without Nick Chubb, just, you know, what we said in the beginning of the season, if Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt will go off. Doesn't seem to have come to fruition. If anything, Hunt's not as valuable without Chubb than he was with him in many respects. I mean, what's your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, and I alluded to this in my my trade article last week, and I said that Kareem Hunt, he's been, I think, the running back five in the time that that Chubb's been missing, which is is great, but I still expected more. And it did surprise me when I saw that he was a running back five. And I think that's more due to the fact that he's been a consistent scorer and we've had players that have missed weeks, been out and you look at your Mixons, your McCaffrey's, your Sanders is, they, they've all missed time. They've all not played all those five games. And then I start to think, well, actually he's only the running back five by default almost. And I've just expected more from him on a week by week basis in the absence of, of Chubb. And I actually listed Kareem Hunt as a, as my top sell candidate and Nick Chubb as my top buy candidate because Earlier in the season, that I'd said Hunt was the buy in case that Chubb went down. I don't think we've seen the production that we expected or wanted to from Hunt during this time. And he's now my top sell candidate, ready for Nick Chubb to come back to the lineup in week 10, hopefully. But yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head with this one. With this one, the, the passing stats for Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield were almost identical. Uh, the only difference was that Derek Carr did throw for a touchdown and Baker Mayfield did not. But you look at the rushing attempts, 45 rushing attempts for Vegas compared to Cleveland's 22 and the yardage showed. And Gruden, whatever you want to say about him, sometimes you have just got to respect the fact that he says we're going to run the football proper, proper old school. Josh Jacobs getting 31 carries. And whilst that is completely not sustainable, it got the job done, like you say, in weather conditions that, that needed someone to just run the ball 31 times and just get out of there with the... Three, I was about to say three points then. Get out of there with the three points. <laughs> wrong spot. Yeah, wrong spot. But um, I think we saw we saw Colson's field goal very early on. And it just, I, I said uh, I said on Twitter that it was like one of my golf shots. It starts starts off perfect and then just goes and falls away and ends up in uh, some big bunch of trees somewhere that you can't find. But yeah, Cleveland, I don't know what you're doing. I completely agree with you on that one there, James. Over to you. Cool. So we look at my bust, and it is from the game last night, and it is Amari Cooper, who 
has had a surprisingly good season. To, I say surprisingly. Again, it's one of those players that hasn't felt too spectacular on a week-by-week basis. But he, he is the, the wide receiver 10 on the year. But he did post up his lowest point total last night with 1.5 fantasy points. And he's got Ben DiNucci flowing, throwing the football to him, the seventh-round rookie. Obviously, that Prescott had his horrendous injury a couple of weeks ago. Andy Dalton suffering with a concussion, so they're on their third-string quarterback. So we have got to, to temper our expectations as to what we're going to get out of Amari Cooper. But he's had a habit of throughout his career when he's come up against a corner like Darius Slay of just being completely shut down and just becoming completely ineffective. And for me, for wide receiver one, where I drafted Amari Cooper in the third, fourth round, I'm expecting him to be above that. I'm expecting him to be matchup proof. And I don't want to have to look on a week by week basis to see which cornerback he's going to be matched up against. I'm not having to have that conversation when I'm thinking about your Mike Thomas's, your Devontae Adams, because you know that they will put up a fight against any cornerback in this league. But with Amari Cooper, I just do not feel the same. And he had five targets in this game for one reception of five yards. And that is just not good enough for, for my wide receiver one. You've got Gallup in the, in the offense. We've, we'd, we'd all but written him off. He was the the one of the three, especially when you've got Dalton Schultz in there as well, that, that we were saying to, to get rid of. But then he, he crops up with seven receptions for, for 61 yards off 12 targets. So, we, like I said, we'd all but written him off. But then he comes along to, to almost salvage a season. Dalton Schultz put in a decent tight end performance with, with six receptions and 53 yards in that one. But I guess the, the biggest talking point of this, and... This is a bit of a spoiler for my trade away section. Is Ezekiel Elliott, James? Mm. So you. What did I say last you, week? <laughs> I I said it the week before against the the Washington football team because they were a, a good running defense. Um, we we featured him in starting Sitting Giffen, which I thought was a little bit controversial, maybe, but seemed to be right. And then you said it again, a little bit controversial, but uh, playing against this Philadelphia Eagles team that is a decent defensive line. And he had 19 carries, which can't really be sniffed at, but only for 63 yards, which is a measly 3.3 yards per carry. And then you compare that to to Tony Pollard, who only had the seven carries, but took that for 40 yards. This is a a very controversial question. Are we seeing a change in the guard with the running back position in Dallas? No, I think we're seeing a team determined to get the best draft pick it can and realising that uh, but also, I would say we're having we've now got a team who have found out that they miss Dak more than they think they do, mm-hmm. and that Zeke doesn't necessarily work without Dak there as the alternative option. And it's very much a tandem. It's not that you know you lose one or the other one steps up. It very much is. They need both of them for it to work. Um, teams can just stack the box against him, and he's just not going to be able to break through. I do agree a little bit with what some of the analysts are saying, that when Dak went down, it was as though a piece of Zeke's soul went with it. And he's, you know, I think some of his spirit is also in the same rehab facility. Um, so I temper my expectations for him for the whole of the rest of the year. And the same for the whole of the Cowboys, to be honest. I think this is very much a salvage operation now. I think they needed the win this time for themselves to believe that they had a team that you know could get that 
almost undeserved win <laughs> in that division, mm. shall we say. But, you know, when, when the Eagles just did what they needed to do or have all their pieces coming back from injury and everything else, I think that there is a possibility the Cowboys don't win another game this season. And with a squad like that, it, it sounds surprising and I never thought I'd find myself saying it, but it just feels that way. And fantasy-wise, it's a nightmare because, yes, Dynasty, you've probably got some, you know, it's not Driftwood, it's going to be fantastic investments, but you just don't think you can play them now. And if you're in win-now mode, they're not going to be doing you favours and they could well be trade-aways if you're wanting to win now. But if you're wanting to win in the future, they could be very good trade-fours. But in redrafts, yeah, it's, you feel like you can't trade away, but you probably have to. And the value keeps going down quickly, like most of my cash-outs. <laughs> yeah, and with the Cowboys, they're, they're missing some key pieces on the offensive line. Uh, they are missing some some defensive starters as well. Um, so... A two and sixteen Dallas Cowboys team. That is certainly a, a bolt. It's not two and sixteen, crikey. That, that, two that's, and fifteen. That's 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 a week eighteen. That's yeah, that's that's a week eighteen where we've expected the, the Cowboys to play an extra game and play in their bye week. No, uh, two and fourteen <laughs> is is a very bold statement. At, at that point, do they consider Trevor Lawrence and not have to pay Dak? No, because the Jets won't get two wins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you if you look at the Jets, and we've already mentioned the Jets, so I can go into it here. But if you look at the Jets schedule, I cannot find a win, even if they were on absolute, you know, a plus form, playing against a team that was having an off day. I can't find a team that can have an odd day bad enough for the Jets to beat them. Mm. I know that they, they tried their best against the Bills, and that's the closest that they might yet get. I mean, okay, week 16, they've got the Browns. Week 17, they've got the Patriots. And that could be as close as you get, potentially. All the others have either got something to play for or her just, you know, steamroller power strong. So, yeah, I, I just... It's hard to look beyond the Jets getting the number one pick and then... It's hard to see the Jags winning again. It's hard to see um, a, few, a fair few of the teams winning again, to be honest. Even, even the Giants, it's questionable. But, um, yeah, the, the Cowboys have good... I still suspect the Cowboys might end up with a top five pick. But uh, it's not going to be number one. And let's be honest, even the Jets aren't going to overthink it and not pick Trevor Lawrence. So, um yeah, we had the conversation of where Sam Darnold's going is going to be the talk of the off season. Yeah, very much so. Following that now, I just hope we don't see another Josh Rosen with with Sam Darnold. I just hope That's that my fear. yeah we can salvage his career at some point. And how Gates is still in New York, I do not know, but he is, and he is still ruining his Darnold's career one game at a time. Well, if, the Jets are, <laughs> if the Jets' objective is to get Trevor Lawrence, then Adam Gaze is the perfect man for the job. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest and say the one thing on Darnold is, <laughs> as a Steelers fan, is the backup for um, Big Ben, so that there's a transition when Ben goes. I'd love to think about it, but you know, you know it's, it's a possibility that's cropped up in a few places and there's a few teams that may think about it, but 
yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting off season there because I get the feeling the Jets won't sack Gaze until now until the end of the season, almost pretty much as soon as they are confirmed as having the number one overall pick. That will probably be the point where they sack him because it's like objective achieved. Yeah. You can't you can't do a better job of getting a number one overall pick than but having Adam Gaze in charge. Just completely poisoning the, the locker room on his way. And we, we look at Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Adams, those players that have not been able to stick it out because they've got some pieces there. Yeah, they've got plenty of pieces, but players have, have not wanted to stick around and wait for that moment. So I think they are doing more damage by holding on to him to get that number one pick. I think they would probably get it anyway, but yeah, it's 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 a tough call, but I, I see why I see why they'd be doing what they're doing if that is indeed yeah. what they're doing. So we look over to the waiver wire and this is a little bit of a spoiler for the NFL hype train, which will be published tomorrow once we've seen the conclusion of week eight. But James, who is your top waiver pickup for the week? It's probably the hardest week we've had for a while, just because of, you know, as I said, the the injuries haven't been in the greatest of positions for the best of teams. Um, Say I mentioned earlier, if Hasty is available, grab him for this week, certainly. Um, The guy I'm going to pick was in the the Dallas and Eagles game, and it's Jalen Rago. If you didn't pick him up after last week's recommendation... Uh, it's this week's recommendation. Effectively, he had a pretty decent game. Three, yeah, three three receptions on six targets for sixteen yards. But he had a touchdown, yeah. and he got a rushing attempt involved in there as well. So he was used, and he looked like he got a fair few red zone looks. Carson Wentz did not look fantastic in that game, in all honesty. But Raygard, he had a pretty good start, and you know, red zone usage is pretty key, to be honest, and. Yeah, the stats will only get better as he gets familiar with that offense. And, you know, now is the time to adopt, really. Um, Fulgham still had a really good game there, but Ray Gore is going to be up there with him. Um, let's be honest, uh, everyone else who could come back from injury is not going to be particularly effective now. So he's probably my number one target, but it's a pretty barren week. The other person I do want to try quickly highlight since I don't think we've gone much into the Colts-Lions game, would be Trey Burton. Because I was sort of saying that he might have been a good player this week. And then I saw that the Lions were really good against tight ends. And yet he still managed to get a touchdown in the Wildcat formation, which I really liked. Jack Doyle then got a touchdown, which really ruined that narrative of tight ends against Detroit. But to me, Trey Burton is going to be the sort of number one fantasy relevant tight end in that team ongoing. The others, Mo Ali Cox might come back and chip in. Um, Jack Doyle might chip in. But I think they brought Trey Burton in to be the pass catcher and to be the most relevant guy there. Even though Mo Ali Cox has got the frame and the figure to be fantastic, he was also very good in that sort of number two role in previous seasons. And I think him and Burton could be taking a lot of that slack and Burton's one that I might want to own rest of season in the way that the tight end landscape is um, be careful if you think Naeem Hines is going to do what he did this week again because we had this in week one where he became a you know you must pick him up he's going to be like this for the rest of the season Jonathan Taylor isn't the answer Marlon Mack's gone down 
and then it kind of went away. Jonathan Taylor was disappointing this week. He could have been a bust. Take it on, take it on. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was just like, stop, 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 stop. No, uh, yeah, Jordan Wilkins is my top waiver pickup. And this is completely controversial. It's not my necessarily top waiver pickup, but I think he is one of the sneaky under the radar ones. And that is because any player who gets 21 touches in a game is a fantasy star. And that if you're going to get 21 touches, then you were going to produce off it. Uh, Jordan Wilkins had a day. He was the running back six on the week. Uh, he had 20 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown and uh, one target, which he managed to bring in for 24 yards as well. Uh, Naheem Hines, as you've just mentioned, James, was the running back five on the week due to his, well, the, the, the first pass that he caught from Philip Rivers. I wondered if the ball was going to actually end up in orbit. It seemed to loop that high, but it was a, a fantastic effort from, from Hines. And every time he celebrates, a part of you cringes because you just <laughs> gonna, he's going to land land funny and he's going to do a horrendous injury at ACL tear on on landing one of his um, one of his somersaults. But yeah, like you say, big game from him. But something's up with Taylor. Uh, just uh, run about forty three on the week, and he was actually one of my trade four candidates early on in the season, and that is because the. The Colts have a really good schedule to finish out the season from a rushing perspective. And that is the, the main reason that I wanted to pick up Jordan Wilkins because whatever is up with uh, Jonathan Taylor, if, if Wilkins can get the carries for the rest of the season, I don't think he's going to be the top waiver pickup this week. You're going to not have to spend too much fab budget on him. You're going to be able to get him in a, a low order. But they're playing Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee, Texans, Las Vegas, uh, Texans again. They are all five-star matchups for the Colts running backs, uh, according to, to the Fantasy Pros website. They do finish the season at Pittsburgh, but we'll brush that one under the carpet. Uh, you, you've got you've got you've got five-star matchups in the six games um, after after the Baltimore Ravens next week. Sorry, so the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers bookend those tremendous run of games. But uh, yeah, Jordan Wilkins, if he's going to get to anyone such as a game, go get him whatever happens to be up with Jonathan Taylor. Okay, James, we head into the trading section. Who are you trading for? I feel like last week I mentioned Keenan Allen. And this week I'm saying Mike Williams, which feels like the wrong thing to do. But Mike Williams, is when he's on the field, he seems to be effective. Justin Herbert has been fantastic at QB. If only that defense could just hold on and let him get another win. But, yeah, Mike Williams could be a pretty decent option. You, you need two decent wideouts, and he is now showing himself to be the number two that Herbert needs and can rely on. He had a really good touchdown grab in this game, just fell short of 100 yards on his five catches, but... I've seen we've seen flashes through the year, and this was the game that sort of made me think. Actually, no, I do believe, and he's in a position where a lot of teams aren't necessarily going to, you know, a lot of owners aren't necessarily going to believe that he is the answer. You know, it's like it's the Keenan Allen show; they're going to run the ball. Aston Eckler will come back. There's your narrative, but I think they need Mike Williams for that offense to run as well as it has been doing. Hunter Henry's not getting it done. And, I mean, he could very easily have been my trade away. But I think 
you want Mike Williams and you want Keenan Allen if you can in any league potentially you know one or the other depends on what value you want to take but it was a decent game for him I very nearly picked another player in this game as well um, in Jerry Judy because he was starting to look effective and I think he might develop a bit further but then you look at the fact that um, Deshaun Hamilton was the one who had the strong game and I can't back trading for him or picking him up off waivers even because that offense is questionable still so yeah Mike Williams has been my trade for here yeah Mike Williams I've always loved the guy and Herbert looks immense he looks so good and we we had this conversation earlier in the week James as to whether Herbert Burrow is going to be the the offensive rookie of the year and we said that Herbert by the end of the season will be, but but it pro- Borough probably uh, pinched after after week seven. Are you changing your answer after week eight, James? Is is Herbert the current offensive rookie of the year if the season ends today? I think it's whoever gets the most wins on the season. Simple as. Um, Borough has two. Herbert has one. If the Chargers can sort of rally round and do do Herbert a favour, he'll win it. But um, at the moment, I'd still edge it to Borough. But um, that's one that it'll be easy to monitor through the season. I still would have an outside bet on Justin Jefferson, to be honest. But, you know, it's um, a quarterback-centric league, Very much which so. it sometimes can be a shame, actually. Yeah. And we look at my trade for candidates, and you'll like this one, James. It is Juju Smith-Schuster. So... Ooh. It has been Chase Claypool season everywhere for the last few weeks. Um, yeah, so much of this game, he was on negative fantasy points again. So he had the, the negative fantasy points in standard leagues last week. Uh, he was on negative fantasy points again for so long this week until he caught the, the late on touchdown just to boost his fantasy production. But Juju Smith-Schuster on the quiet has had a couple of nice weeks. So last week against the Tennessee Titans, he had 14 targets, nine receptions, 84 yards. This week he followed that up with eight targets, seven receptions for 67 yards. And we're not talking about spectacular here, but in the last two weeks he's had 16 receptions and that's that's a floor of 16 points across two weeks in your fantasy leagues. And plus the, the yardage on that, he has only had the one touchdown going all the way back to week one against the Texans. But if we can start to add a couple of touchdowns into Juju's game, he's starting to get these flaws with the, with the targets and the receptions. He is a nice, steady fantasy play. It's not the sexiest play that I'll ever ask. We're not going to be getting 50 fantasy points like we maybe see from, from Dalvin Cook, etc. But Juju is a very nice floor play. And use the Chase Claypool hype. Say, oh, but Chase Claypool's in the offense to, uh, to, to sweep in and, and get the Juju Smith-Schuster off them because... Dante Johnson just can't seem to get right at the moment. If he's if he's not banged up, he's he's not playing particularly well. I, I, I like the guy. I love Deontay Johnson, but um, he, he's he's not been too effective at the moment. But Juju Smith Schuster on the quiet is the, the target leader, reception leader, and yardage leader in the offense at the moment. So go out and get him. And James, we'll finish the show off with you. Uh, no, we'll, we'll talk about my trade sell, even though I've already spoiled it, but we will talk about it a little bit more after. But James, who is your trade sell? So trade away, It uh, to be fair, I think he's been in this segment before and he remains in here. And it's Devin Singletary because Zach Moss is coming up on his outside rapidly and is getting 
well, more goal line work. And let's be honest, I can see that changing of the guard happening. As many people did. I was bullish on Singletary at the beginning of the season because I just thought that it was his job at the beginning to lose. And he's, I mean, he's not exactly losing it, but it's getting eaten away to the point that, you know, you can't rely him in to be your running back two each week now. You're, you know, he's flex level at best. And, you know, in, in, a, in a year where running backs, you know, it's hard to find valuable ones. It's getting worse at the moment. And he doesn't have the greatest of schedules coming up either. I mean, they've got a bye week coming up as well. Um, in the next couple of weeks, he's got it in week 11. Then after that, you've got Chargers, Niners, Steelers as the following three games. So even Zach Moss isn't exactly an absolute gimme. Um, that offense is pretty much going to run through Josh Allen and probably Stefan Diggs. So Singletary's looking quite dicey. Um, in They managed to get the job done against New England and Zach Moss with two touchdowns was having a pretty good game. He will probably feature in the hype train station um, just purely due to lack of alternative services. Um, it's almost the Zach Moss replacement bus service. Oh, there no. You go. No, nothing um, worse. <laughs> but um, it could be worse. It could be worse. You could be the Patriots. Um, Damian Harris gets an honourable mention in that in the uh, Hype Train article purely because he is a running back for the Patriots that could do something. And if you want to shoot your shot, he's as good as any. He went over 100 yards this week and got a touchdown. And to be fair, the touchdown run was quite nice as well. So... He's slowly becoming the number one of choice now. Sony Michelle's out, but while we're in tradeaways, Cam Newton, if you can get anything for him, go for it. Yeah, Cam is done. I, he, he gets benched before the end of the season. Not that I think Sidham is going to come in and do any better, but this is all part of Belichick's master plan to somehow end up with Trevor Lawrence at the, at the quarterback position. I know we've just talked about the Jets and them somehow getting it, but. If, if I know Bill like, well, I don't know him at all, obviously, but yeah, if, if we know Belichick like we do, then um, he'll have something up his sleeve. To, if we to, get a tweet now. And we'll finish off the show with my trade away, which we've already alluded to, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And I suppose this is kind of a sell and buy, dependent on how your league view him, dependent on what the price is all about. Uh, sell him based on name value. So I know in my home league, for example, he has just been traded uh, because the guy that traded for him in a redraft league has him every year and he spotted an opportunity to, to get him at a decent price. So he he went in and got him there. But yeah, I'm, I'm not wanting to hold on. If I'm in a, a dynasty league and I'm in rebuild mode, I'm wanting to ship him away at this point in time because he's, he's not going to be effective for you for the rest of the season, certainly. And you can get some picks in ready for next season. And yeah, but if, if you maybe want it to win next year, then, then go get him. So, again, very much on the fence, but Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not feeling great about him at the moment. I wanted to trade away unless the price is right and really low and I'm, I'm wanting to buy in there. Cool. Another podcast in the books and we will see you on Friday. Uh, we've already talked about Thursday Night Football, so we've covered that one. Uh, James, we've got the NFL Hype Train article coming tomorrow, but where can we find you on Twitter? As always, look out for me at NFL Hype Train. Toot, toot. Toot, toot, indeed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dav underscore F10Y. Uh, we'll have the Hype Train out tomorrow. We'll have the, the trading article out on Wednesday. 
And then all of a sudden we are into week nine where we'll have the starts sit for Thursday night football and beyond. We will have the injuries, we'll have the, the rankings, the DFS content, we'll have everything for you in one place at F10Y Fantasy to help you win your matchups. So thank you very much for listening. We will see you later on in the week. And remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, www.full10yards.com, where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football, and even Britball. Thanks for listening, and remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. <laughs>